The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism. Our province's older people deserve to live independently and affordably in their own communities and homes. Learn more and join the movement at skseniorsmechanism.ca. voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And welcome to this special Canada Day edition of the Sports Cage. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Ballsy in the big chair, happy to be here talking some football on this beautiful Canada Day. Uh, it's brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. You can always weigh in on the text line 936-6262. It's brought to you by our friends on this 1st of July over at Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, the number one GM or the number one Ford dealership in Saskatchewan, and all our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. That's where we catch up with Leader Post sports writer Rob Vanstone. How's your Canada Day going, Rob? Oh, very nicely, Baldy. Thanks for uh, the good wishes. Uh, I should point out Capital Ford Lincoln is located right by Vanstone Street. Today mm-hmm. would have been the 102nd birthday of my father, Alan Vanstone, mm-hmm. after whom Vanstone Street was so aptly named. So if I had to get that in, it's a plug. Happy birthday, Dad. Oh, for sure, buddy. How many how many selfies have you taken on that street? <laughs> I took I took my dog Candy up there last year just so I could get a shot of her with the sign. It was pretty shameless, but uh, it's uh, there's actually virtually nothing on it. There's a sidewalk, and I so I took I took Candy up and down the sidewalk, and we looked at the at the grass. It's, so that's it was, cool. Uh, that's kind cool. Of pathetic, but that's me. No, it's not pathetic. It's cool to have something named after your dad. I think that's pretty awesome. Well, I remember one day I got a call, and this the, I get an irate caller. He goes, "I can't believe they named a street after you." And he goes up one <laughs> side of me and down the other, and I go, oh, "I I agree with you. I I, I go, you're you're totally right. They should not name a street after me." And he goes, "I you kind of disarmed him." And I go, uh, "It was named after my dad." All of a sudden, he starts, going, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." You know, I'm I lo- all right. I so. love. I love it. So, so, <laughs> so, but, 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 fill the listeners in because I'm interested too. Why is it named after your dad? Can you fill us in there? Um, dad was a well-known musician in town. He was a he led a big band. He had a small jazz group, and uh, so mom and dad moved to Regina in 19, December 1956, right after the Ryder plane crash. Yeah, that was their introduction to to football in Saskatchewan. Was all the tears and the heartbreak over the rider plane crash in December of 56. And, and uh, from that point until Dad died, uh, June 1st, 82, uh, he was really well known as a, as a musician. And then the last weekend of his life, his jazz group played at the Hotel Saskatchewan. And uh, not only that, he was uh, the last in, 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 the, in the succession of uh, architects who worked in the uh, legendary Van Egmond and Story architectural firm. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, they designed like so many foundational buildings in Regina history, and Dad was the last in that line. He ended up donated all, donating all the drawings to the provincial archives, and they're still a resource for people. So, combined with his architecture and his uh, his music, uh, even 
having me as a son didn't discredit him sufficiently yeah. oh. uh, to the point where he wouldn't be ha- wouldn't have a street named after him. Well, he'd be proud to have you as a son, and uh, you're the Rolodex of rider information. There's no doubt about that, so you can hang your hat on that. Plus, you bike uh, uh, further than my first car went, so that's something to hang your <laughs> hat on, too. We talked about that. We, we shared some chuckles about how pathetic our uh, vehicles are. It's funny, I walked out to the parking lot today, and uh, <laughs> Logan Furland goes, Hey, Ballsy, how do you like my... Uh, cash flow low truck it's a, like a it's a cfl truck and it was just this old chevy truck and i thought you know what that's the best thing about cfl football it's a mom and pop league like you know what i'm i'm pretty sure uh anthony munoz isn't telling people hey look at my dumpy truck you know what i mean in the nfl oh, I, just, I, I just love the uh, the fact they're just like common folk playing professional football of course they are elite athletes before we get into the riders game with the montreal alouettes here I want to talk to you about that. You talked about the plane crash. Uh, now, this is not to uh, devalue the memory of those guys that passed away uh, in that plane crash, okay? Their numbers are retired along with a bunch of others. I don't know how I feel about numbers being retired when you have a wall of fame because when, when Ray Elgard and Don Narcisse's numbers get worn and Mitch Pickton's wearing number 81, no disrespect to Mitch Pickton, but... You know, outside of Reed and Lancaster, then I don't know if if Narcisse, his number and Elgard's number being worn. You know, I think everybody else is wide open. You except for except for Lancaster and Reed, I think everybody else is fair game for their numbers. How do you feel? You know, I don't mind seeing it, uh, but the problem is in football, especially. There's a large roster, and there's only a hundred number possibilities uh, when you look at zero through ninety-nine, and and uh, you can very quickly run out of numbers if you retire too many. But they ran into a bit of a situation where the the numbers were, I think, fittingly were retired uh, after the plane crash in 1956, and then four four more have subsequently been mm-hmm. retired. But that really limits the options if you're putting numbers on players. You can't go to triple digits, and you can't use decimal points, and uh, but. So then I think it went to the other extreme where there's an absolute uh, reluctance to, to retire numbers. So, for example, Gene Makowski uh, played for 17 years on the Riders' offensive line, was twice named the league's outstanding offensive lineman. Number 60 is not retired. Yet Roger Aldag had the same career, same decorations, same number of great cups, and his number 44 is retired. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's because I think the pendulum has is, is, is swung uh, too drastically in the other direction where – I, I, there's almost a number retirement chill after Dave Ridgeway's number was retired, number 36. And not not to disparage Dave at all. Uh, I mean, he's the, he's the best kicker in in my view in, in the history of Canadian football. But suddenly you retire number 36 from that that team. Okay, what about 81 Ray Algard? What about 80 Don Narcisse? What about 71 Bobby Jurison? What about uh, 27 Glenn Suter? What about five Ken Austin? And you go down that list. And, and suddenly you've got a list of comparables where I think a very compelling case can be made for those number retirements as well. But how do you say, yes, we're going to retire Dave Ridgway, and no, we're not going to retire a succession of great players beyond yeah. Dave Ridgway. And then you, and then you add Darian Durant, and, and, and on you go. Yeah, that's what I mean. If you've got a wall of fame and they're honored in the stadium, I, I I wonder outside, and no disrespect to the people that passed away, it was tragic, but I just wonder, outside of Lancaster and Reed, whether everything should be open game as long as those greats are honored in some way. Rob Vanstone joining us from the Leader Post. You also have a hand in picking the Plaza of Honor. I'm going to ask you this question, the same one I asked you on the sidelines. 
Roy Shivers is a Canadian Football Hall of Famer, yet he's not in the plaza. I've had people ask me, how the heck does that happen? Can you answer that for me, Rob? I think there's a number of reasons. I, I, I think the day will come when Roy does get in. Um, he did a great job of, of repairing the Rough Riders from the three-win mess that he inherited when he was hired in December of, of 99. But the fact remains that they didn't get to a Grey Cup when Roy was here, and they had a losing record cumulatively when Roy was here. He won Grey Cups in Calgary, won Grey Cups at BC, did not have that, that same success in terms of attaining the pinnacle here. I think he, he set the table for a succession of great teams, but they didn't win the Grey Cup here under Roy. Uh, but then they faced a situation where uh, because of the... It almost worked, like Roy's success worked against him in terms of the Plaza of Honour, in that a lot of the players that he brought in were foundational players for the 2017. They got to the Grey Cup again in 2019, 2010, 2013. Yeah. And uh, so then the time came to retire or to uh, induct those players. And uh, so suddenly there's a goal of inductees, just a abundance of inductees. At the same time, the, the, the formatting with the plaza changes, and for a while there were only two people a year being inducted. So now you've got a real logjam of, of, of worthy inductees, but not the, the number of spots that there once were. If they were still inducting three or four a year, if they were still inducting five or six as they once were, Roy would have been in a long time ago. But in a way, Roy recruited so many terrific players that they took up the spots that I think arguably could have been occupied or should have been occupied by Roy Shivers. Mm -hmm. And uh, Roy is certainly on my list, and I would love to see him. And I think the same applies to Paul McCallum. Yeah. Hey, I find it ironic. We talked about this yesterday on the cage. Apparently, the first offer from the CFL was 10 years and get rid of all Canadians. Yet Nathan Rourke is lighting it up, including a great. He started okay yesterday with a nice 50 yard short yardage touchdown run and then had a little bit of a clunky third quarter, but rallies his team for the victory, throwing for over 300 yards again. And Trey Ford gets the started quarterback for Chris Jones's team. It's funny that we got two starting Canadian quarterbacks, one on Canada Day. It's Self. It's funny. And, you know, I've heard subsequently the league trying to explain away that initial offer by saying, well, that's just how bargaining works. But no, you don't throw an insulting, repugnant offer like that forth and then think that people are just going to conveniently sweep it aside because those those things are remembered. And especially when you've got a Canadian constituency within the, within the CFL that's so large, uh, not only among the players, but that's your fan base. And uh, again, it, it just there's such a contradiction between what initially was put forward and now what we're seeing in the early stages of the season. And uh, Nathan Rourke, there is not a bigger story in uh, in in, uh, in in Canadian football right now. I think it's one of the best stories in Canadian sport. It's like when you were talking to Rash and he asked you. Okay, Nathan Rourke is the big story in the Canadian Football League. What's number two? And you really have to rack your brain to think of anything else that he belongs to the podium. Yeah, and that's yeah. the impact that, that Nathan Rourke is having and continues to have. And uh, wow, I, it, it, it really is amazing to watch. And then you have to then you then you juxtapose that with uh, the the tenor of the negotiations that was established when the league put forth that incendiary offer.
Yeah. I hope Trey Ford has a good game today uh, in the sense that what you're going to hear is, well, Nathan Rourke was American trained. Well, this guy was from Waterloo, Trey Ford. So I hope he has a good game, although I'm skeptical that uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, are, you know, I think they're going to rough him up. I'm skeptical he's going to have uh, a spectacular game, but fingers crossed. Uh, looks like Nick Arbuckle's done already at Edmonton. Isn't that great? You would not, you would, you not want to be a quarterback for Chris Jones. I'm serious. Well, we saw that in 2016 here. Uh, they started the season with Darian Durant. Darian did most of the quarterbacking, but they brought in quarterback after quarterback after quarterback that year. And uh, um, it's, it's, I mean, in Darian's last game at, 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 uh, at uh, Taylor Field, which I'll always call it, I mean, they, they played Jake Waters that day for a while. You know, so Gale saw a lot of saw a lot of playing time that year. There was Van Lee in short yarded situations earlier in the year, and then the following year, Darian leaves, and in comes the washed up, uh, you know, Vince Young as an experiment before Kevin Glenn and Brandon Bridge saved the day. Um, there's that, there's almost that instability of quarterback that follows Chris Jones around. Uh, he didn't have that his first tenure in in, in Edmonton because they were able to uh, acquire Mike Riley. But uh, since then, it's, it's been a revolving door of quarterbacks with Chris Jones. And that's a really quick trigger figure at Edmonton. I really wonder how, how that's going to unfold. I've, I've set the PVR. I'm not sure if they should have put a warning label on that game before it starts because it could be ugly. Uh, Rob, can you stick around for a minute? We'll get to uh, the rider talk on the other side, okay? A Rolo Weyburn. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Roughriders is on the sports cage. Right here on the mighty 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage here for Nelson Holmes on this Canada Day. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day on this great birthday for this great country. And we're uh, talking with Rob Vanstone of the Leader Post, speaking of great. So, Rob, uh, Cody Fajardo is uh, the seventh fastest. Uh, he's got the seventh best victory uh, percentage for a guy that started 30 games or less. Like, the the dude is uh, on fire. He's the uh, fastest rider quarterback to uh, 20 victories. Uh, yes, is is he elite? I don't know. That, that can be debated. But you had a column this week talking about how criticism is – crazy of this guy just expand on that for us it just it seems to me that it's it's become over the top and it's again contrasted with 2019 which seemed to be such a honeymoon year for for cody fitzgerald and the clamor to sign him for, to the contract extension uh, as eventually as eventually the rough riders did in october of that year but it seems anytime anything goes wrong if a ball just happens to flutter a little bit on the way to the receiver uh it seems that cody ends up with a disproportionate or a complete full share of the blame. Uh, it doesn't matter that the offensive line is, is a sieve, as it was for a considerable portion of last season. It doesn't matter that the receiving core probably isn't what the, the Rough Riders would like it to be. It doesn't matter if the play calls are a little iffy at times. It seems it all gets dumped on the quarterback, and that's the reality of the position. And they're certainly paid very well to accept uh, the uh, the criticism that accompanies it, but I just wonder if, if the expectations are unrealistic and it just the, the demands are are just too onerous for not only Cody but any quarterback who plays here. Yeah, it's I, just I think people are taking him for granted. There, it's he's the quarterback of a two and one football team. He's a quarterback who's who's who's, who's basically three times as often, twice as often as he loses. 
and yet uh, I'm, I'm hearing, seeing is uh, you know the deep ball picked apart. Well, Cody will acknowledge that he's not the, the doesn't have the strongest arm in the world. The aesthetics are never going to be the greatest, but I think there's a resourcefulness that uh, can't be quantified, and I think there's a devotion to this team that should be appreciated, and uh, especially when you consider Cody's in the final year of his contract. Yeah, and uh, if if somehow an atmosphere is is created here where this this just becomes intolerable for him and he ends up having a big year, I think the same some of the same people who are criticizing him now might be the same people who criticize him for leaving. <laughs> I think it's very slippery slope that people are uh, are are running the risk of uh, of of getting on right now. We have enough speed in his receiving core, Rob. I don't think so. I really don't. You know, I, I talked to uh, Jeff Fairholm the other day, and that conversation reminded me that there's just nobody like him. And maybe it's a bad example because I, I'm not sure there's any been anybody like Jeff Fairholm in Ryder right. history. But uh, Duke Williams is, is a tremendous receiver. He's a definite uh, number one receiver. But his 40-yard dash time in the NFL Combine was 4.72 seconds. There is without Kyran Moore, especially, they just don't have that burner, that guy who can absolutely light it up and turn a 10-yard route into a long touchdown. Now, I should point out Duke Williams did that in the West Final against Winnipeg. I'm not sure that was necessarily a speed play as much as it was a determination uh, and, and uh, play and, and one where he exercised great judgment and opportunism but and strength. But um, there just isn't that burner, and I don't think there's that receiver that offensive or defensive coordinators are going to look at and say, this, he can get behind us in a, in a, in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that, that encumbers the offense to a degree as well. Having said that, they'll probably have four 93-yard touchdowns on Saturday now that I've made an issue yeah. out of it. Well, I hope so. I hope so. Hey, but let's ask <laughs> you about two Canadian receivers. Justin McKinnis, your thoughts on him. I, I expected him came in lean, kind of like his uh, buddy, Braden Lenius, or as I said, Lenius, when he came in last year. Uh he 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 to me would have been when I looked at him in training camp. I thought, okay, this is a guy that could be a ma- a matchup nightmare, kind of like Getzlaff was when Fan Twos and Dressler took the attention from the ones and twos, and Getzlaff had the favorable matchup against the third uh, best defensive back in the opposing team secondary. But McKinnis really hasn't got off to that great a start. I'm not totally blaming Justice uh, Justin. Maybe it's the offense, the offensive line problems. Cody's been banged up. But just your thoughts on Justin McKinnis. Yeah, I think the offensive line just contributes to everything that uh, happens with the passing game right now. But again, I look at that that inviting target. I think of of, of the matchup possibilities, and and you got to remember the Rough Riders picked him in the first round of the draft in 2019. And I just I just think that there's either the Riders aren't getting enough out of him, or it isn't there. And uh, I, you know, whether it's him or Jacob Prawl, but collectively they've they've been the targeted target on 15% of the riders' passes. Three different receivers on the riders have gotten more passes than, than Prawl and, and, and McKenna's combined. So I kind of look at them as, a, as, a, as an entry and just, you know, one and one A. It's like, I think they need more out of both of them, especially with, with Shaq Evans' uh, sideline now. I, I, I don't think that, uh, that Justin McKinnis is, is a lost cause. I think there's some some talent there, and we saw it in the preseason. We saw it in the in the on November second, twenty nineteen, when he made a made a reception uh, from caught an Isaac Harker pass to set up what ended up being the game winning field goal to give Riders first place in the West. And he did that as a rookie. And they read a blitz, 
him and him and Isaac Harker and nailed that play. And it's one of the most impactful plays the Riders have had in the last little while. So I think it's there. But I'm just not sure if the Rough Riders are inclined to really go to that well and see how much is there. You know what I like about the Mitch Picton story, and you've got a nice feature coming up on the former LaBoldis Golden Sun and Regina Ram, is uh, I like the fact he's a local kid that isn't getting jerked around. A lot of times when a kid's local, he'll get jerked around by a CFL team. They'll dangle the carrot. Well, we, listen, we're going to keep you on the practice roster, kid, or we know you're in town. We'll call you when we need you. But Mitch Picton has hung around, and he's hung around because he's a pro's pro and because he knows all the... He knows all the all the receiving jobs in a very intricate playbook with Jason Moss. And uh, Cody said today, this guy can stay in the league as long as he wants because he knows the playbook. Yeah, and he's, he's such a such a good person too. So he's just a great person to have in the receivers room, a great person to have on the team, a great person to have representing the community. But it's it's not just a ceremonial. Here's here's the local guy on the team type of presence uh, we've seen that we saw the game-winning touchdown in Edmonton after the nice uh, spinorama by Cody Pajardo and uh, and, and the 28-yard touchdown pass the wide open Mitch Picton and then he gets the two-point conversion as well he's uh, I mean he, he's not a speed merchant he's not going to dazzle you but you but he dazzles you as a human being and, and you look at the contributions that, that that he makes, and I think his importance to the receiving core as a whole, especially when you consider the injuries with which they've been beset so far this season, uh, he's become a, I think, a very vital member of the receiving core. Even though it's easy to look at it and say, okay, they picked Samuel Emelis in the first round, and they they picked Justin McKinnis in the first round, and they they've mm-hmm. got a number of of Canadian receivers. It's easy not to talk about. Not for, it's, it's, it's easy not to think of Mitch Picton in, in terms of front of mind. Mm-hmm. But then you look at it, and he's made a play here and there, and he's, 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 he's contributed integrally to a victory or a successful drive. Lastly, we'll wrap up our conversation talking about a receiver on the other team. I tell you, no William Standback. Jake Weineke, who's in the offense this week, has been out with uh, hamstring problems. They've had unproven guys, and... Eugene Lewis just keeps rolling, man. This guy is a treat to watch. And he is a star, but he doesn't get the star uh, treatment in terms of people talking about him all the time. Uh, If you want to get a ticket and watch a good football player for tomorrow's game, go watch Eugene Lewis. Oh, you mentioned on the show yesterday, Balls. I mean, a spectacular one-handed catch of a short pass. He can turn something as small as that into something that's memorable. He's, He's great on jump balls. He makes... Key plays. He had a, I think you remember last year he had a game winning or game tying touchdown on the last play. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he can do it all as a receiver. And uh, it, he doesn't get talked about because of where he is. And if you're not playing for the Montreal Canadiens, you're probably not going to get a lot of publicity in Montreal or if you're not Anthony Calvillo in his prime uh, or Mike Pringle. But uh, uh, he's, he's tremendous. I think there's some tremendous weapons on that Montreal offense, even in even in the absence of Vernon Adams Jr. and even in the absence of William Stanback. That's an offense that can, can make some plays. And uh, I, 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 I'm not surprised that Trevor Harris is their starting quarterback. I, it, it didn't take very long for that switch to be, <laughs> to be flipped. But he's, he's one of those guys who can have an awful game or a great game. And, and if he has a great game, watch out. Yes. You never really know what you're going to get from Trevor Harris. But if he's, if he's on, 
he can create nightmares for you, and it's impossible to get to him because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. We're going to learn a lot about both of these teams tomorrow. I, I'm not putting a lot of stock into what I saw last Thursday, Rob, because of the Riders' short week and one-day practice, and you could say, oh, that's excuses, Ballsy, but it's a fact. So I want to judge these teams after this game. Who do you got winning this game tomorrow, Riders or the Alouettes? I'm pretty confident the Rough Riders are going to win this one. I, I really... I think there were a number of adverse circumstances that worked against them. and Not only the short break between games and, and one practice between games, but trying to uh, audition and prepare a first-time starting center in Logan Bandy. I think the, the rest factor is huge and the preparation factor is huge. And I think the Rough Riders have just been ordinary, not in terms of their demeanor, but certainly in terms of their... Uh, their mindset in wanting to get back on the field and atone for what happened uh, a week ago or eight days ago in Montreal. I just, I just think that's a team that's really, you know, we, they talked during the off season about this sort of being a revenge season. And a lot of that was pointed at, at Winnipeg, but I think there's a, some revenge against Montreal that they feel needs to be exacted uh, after what happened last week. And I, I fully expect that, that that will be the case. Happy Canada Day, my friend. I'm glad we got to talk about your dad. What would have been your dad's birthday and his street? Uh, have yourself a good rest of the day. We'll see you at halftime tomorrow, okay, Rob? Look forward to it, Baldy. Thanks for the chat, and happy Canada Day to you and your family and everybody. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Stays in with the short yardage package. Sprint to the left. Flags are down. Looks like it'll be offside, but Rourke doesn't care. Down the left sideline. Showing off the speed. Will he score? He will. Touchdown, BC. Uh, Yes, that is our sports cage clutch performance for our buddies out there at Emerald Park. Nick Service. Uh, your Rogator, Gleaner, and Massey Ferguson and Fent Dealer. Go check them out in Emerald Park. Thanks to Nick Service for getting on board. Yeah, Nathan Rourke, our clutch performer again. Last week, he set the single season, our single game record for Canadian. Uh, passing in the game, 436 and four touchdowns versus the Argos. He was absolutely rolling on home turf. They're 2-0. and How would the BC Lions respond on a short week with one day of practice? Well, they go to Ottawa. They build up a bit of a lead. I think it was 14-10 at half. Then they turn the football over. Uh, Rourke fumbled once. He threw two interceptions. All of a sudden, Ottawa, on a couple of short fields, is winning a football game 20-14. to But then what happens? Nathan Rourke leads his team back, and they win 34-31. Rourke had two touchdown passes and a 50-yard touchdown run, as you heard right there, going around the left end on a third and short as he takes it around left side and goes down the sidelines. He's got speed. He's making all the throws. Now, uh, as we talked about it, Ryder practice with some of the reporters, and it's true. In the first year, a quarterback is there. Sometimes, you know, it could be an optical illusion. You have a great first year, and then you kind of fall off the map. We saw it with Casey Printers before. Um, you know, 
Of course, uh, we're hoping it doesn't happen with uh, this guy, Nathan Rourke, but you saw with KC Printers. Uh, even Cody Fajardo had a great first year, then defense has start figuring him out a little bit. Gets a little banged up, his old line's not as strong as it was, and uh, it's not as easy for Cody. Not saying that he's still not performing well. We just talked about that with Rob Vanstone. So it'll be interesting to see how this guy goes moving forward. Now... Um, in terms of the BC lines, are off to a great start. Three and zero. Calgary's three and zero. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers also off to a great three and zero start. They'll play the Toronto Argonauts on Independence Day of all things Monday because apparently Toronto wants to become uh, an NFL, an American city. Uh, by the way, speaking of Toronto right now, the Blue Jays all over Tampa in their first of five and four days against the Rays in T.O. Last I saw in the bottom of the eighth, it was 9-2 for the Toronto Blue Jays, so we'll see if that holds up. I'm pretty sure it will be. We're waiting for Sean Kleisinger to come back. He's the public address announcer for the Regina Red Sox. 15-9, to they roughed up the Weyburn Beavers today. We're hoping to have a Beaver, or uh, check that, a Red Sox player join us at 520. All right. So, um, before I break down some of the depth chart things, Coach Craig Dickinson joins us before uh, every game. Well, he, every every practice he joins us, but then he has a sit down in the media room with the media. I got a, a snippet of this. Apparently, we had a little bit of mic issues, but we do have about uh, two and a half minutes of Dickie here talking about the game. And he starts off by talking about the fact they got rid of Damon Webb today. They cut him today, the secondary player who is behind Jeremy Clark. He is going to move over Jeremy Clark to the corner spot. Amari Henderson moves into the halfback spot. Uh, apparently, uh, the Riders just thought Henderson was a better. Uh, a better fit there. So let's hear from Coach Craig Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, Damon was was not playing as much as he did last year, and we felt like we had a couple guys on the PR we liked a little better. Um, we thought about giving him a PR spot, but the reality was he he wanted to be on the active, and when he wasn't on the active, I think it was just time to make a change. And We wish him all the best. He, he was a good player for us, and we appreciate everything he did. He did. Do you like playing the same back-to-back? Not necessarily, no. I mean, it makes it a little easier, honestly. It's honestly her because a lot of film to watch. But um, I, don't, I don't think maybe the fan engagement is as back. Although if you're on the road, there's a little bit of juice. I, I do know this. For this game specifically, Herb, our guys are excited to play. Great crowd. I think it's going to be an exciting atmosphere. I dare say you expect a different team to show up. Your side, you only had one practice. You were playing back to back on the road. Yeah, I don't um, think it was a true. I hope not. Star. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, we talked all week about you know um, executing and playing our game. You know, we didn't feel like we went over there to lose. That was a, an outstanding effort by Montreal, and they just put it to us. I mean, it happens sometimes. So, play hard, uh, hopefully, and hopefully the outcome will be different. But that has yet to be determined. How eager are you to see the penalties cleaned up this week? Yeah, I want to see the penalties cleaned up. I want to see clean. 
well executed football. I want to see. And so that the penalties have a lot to do with that. So we, we've worked hard all week on technique. And you see from Henderson coming into the secondary. Henderson's been good all year. You know, he's been working hard, doesn't say much. He has risen. That was part of the reason we felt like we could move on from Damon Webb. And uh, we're excited to see him. In particular, do you like from him? Well, we think he's a good cover player. You know, he's, he can really move. He's got versatility. He can play half or corner. Switch Clark to cornerback and him to halfback. Oh, just because Clark's got more experience at corner. So, just just familiarity. Mitch Picton gets the start this week at the Hard. many snaps out there. Rationality. Well, we had to go with, with six on offense, and so we needed three receivers. How nice is it to have a guy like that who doesn't really practice at the position during the week? That's a credit to him because it's not an easy offense to learn, and he's learned it, and, and that he's going to play well. Yeah, so there you go. Coach Craig Diggis had apologized for the audio. For whatever reason, his mic was sensitive and it was cutting out. So uh, Cody used the same mic. It was fine. We'll hear from him a little later on in the show. But basically, the big talk is that uh, Henderson makes the start at halfback now on the uh, field side. He'll be joined over there by Jeremy Clark, who moves outside. Of course, there is no Nelson Lacombo, he's out with a hamstring injury. So as we look at the lineup here, uh, Tevin Jones, wide receiver, former uh, Jacksonville Jaguar. That was the last team he played for. He bounced around a number of teams. He'll come in and he'll back up Mitch Pickton at that uh, X receiver spot. Uh, Henderson comes in at halfback. We're number 16. Kosi Onyeka backs him up. Uh, Jeremy Clark will play the field side corner. And he is backed up by Malcolm Lee, who came in a couple of weeks ago, wearing number 22. He is a former UBC Thunderbird. Charleston Hughes draws back into the uh, lineup, backing up Pete Robertson, who leads the CFL in sacks coming into this week with five. He's got a sack in each uh, of the uh, Ryder games so far, so five over three games. Um, also drawing in is Charbel Debeer. He backs up Garrett Marino. Debeer had a good first game, then ran into a bit of injury problems, and he is back on the roster. So uh, he'll be there. And Nick Daly back, uh, backing up uh, A.C. Leonard, who comes in with a bit of a uh, toe problem. So we'll see how he does. Offensively, like I said, Mitch Pickton is going to play that wide receiver spot, and he's hung around because he's been very studious. He knows all the receiver positions. So he is the wide receiver. They've got uh, three Canadian receivers. You hope to see a little more from Justin McInnes, who has his family watching him, all of them, two girls and a significant other, all in the crowd for tomorrow's game, looking to score his first First ever touchdown as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. But as you look around there, no real burners on the Rough Riders offense. So I wonder if that's going to affect them offensively. Um, we'll hear from Cody Fajardo in a little bit, talking about uh, their week of preparation and communication. Had a chance to catch up with Logan Furlan, who is obviously starting at left guard. Said that Logan Bandy, his colleague on the inside at center didn't have that bad of a game it's up to everybody to get on the same page communication wise and they just kind of threw bandy to the wolves in that game in montreal so uh they said they've had a better week or he has said they had a better week of communication amongst everybody up front and the backs in the backfield everybody knows what they're doing and and to a man everybody is saying no excuses on this team this week going forward against the Montreal Alouettes. And when you look at it, you got uh, Calgary at 3-0, like I said, Winnipeg at 3-0, BC at 3-0, and we got a game today, the Edmonton Elks with Trey Ford quarterbacking going against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. For Montreal, their big change defensively 
Uh, well, there's two of them. Adarius Pickett is out at the strong side linebacker spot. He's being replaced by Tyrese Beverett. And then their other big change is Almondo Sewell, who looked like he was 26 years old, man. That guy was flying around. It's not an injury thing, but uh, maybe they're giving him a veteran's rest because he's a bit, uh, you know, maybe a bit sore, kind of like the Riders did last week with Charleston Hughes sitting him out. And he's back in. Well, Almondo Sewell is out now in the interior of that defense. So that might uh, help the Riders out. Cody gets asked that today, and he's smiling like a butcher's dog. Happy that a, a fellow CFLer isn't seriously hurt, uh, hurt, but happy that he doesn't have to face him anymore. Then, on the offensive side of things, the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders will have to deal with Jake Weineke, number nine, who is back at slot back. So they've got a real good receiving core. You've got that Kayon Julian Grant, who burned LaCombo for a touchdown early in the second half. you got Herji Mayala, who's been known to make a couple of great catches. You've got uh, Wineke, Reggie White Jr., the young guy, who's uh, been pretty good out there, and of course, uh, Geno Lewis. And Trevor Harris gets the start. Vernon Adams will back him up. But right now, this is Trevor Harris's team. So we'll see how that game plays out tomorrow. A 2 p.m. pregame show right here on 620 CKRM with Daniela Ponticelli along with the Professor Don Hewitt and Wes Cates. Luke and I will join in the broadcast booth at uh, 4 o'clock in the kickoff just after 5. Riders and the Montreal Alouettes. It just seems right that Canada's team is playing on the Canada Day long weekend on home turf. By the way, the Blue Jays did win today, I believe, 9-2. to Zinger is here now. He just shows up. And thank you for coming, Zinger. We'll get your thoughts on the Red Sox win. I gotta ask you this question. Now, <clears throat> gotta watch. I, I, if I was, if you were an agent, would you not tell your guys to learn how to speak English? Because it would be better for them, not only societally, but endorsement-wise. Like, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is getting interviewed, and I think it's being addressed, like the public address over the stadium as the fans are walking out after their big victory. And he needs a translator. Now, he's a young guy, and, you know, maybe he's still young in that process. And, hey, I don't know any other languages, so I'm not cutting him down for not knowing English, okay? But his dad, if I'm not mistaken, played his Major League Baseball in Montreal, then went to the Angels, and I don't think he can speak very much English. And you, Darvish, the pitcher on my team, who played for the Cubs now at the Padres, doesn't know a lick of English. Wouldn't you as an agent tell your guy... Maybe you should learn some English so that you can, you know. Yeah. Well, maybe they maybe they're in the process of doing so. I'm just putting myself in those guys' shoes. Maybe well, for 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 Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Sure, but Darvish has been here for a long time. Mm. His dad, Vladdy Guerrero Sr., was here for a long time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't understand that. You're you're here. You're making your living. Like if you went, if I went to Tokyo and I was an otherworldly athlete like these dudes, I would be learning Japanese as fast as I could. Mm. I wouldn't speak it well, but I would learn Japanese as fast as I could so I could uh, acclimatize myself, get into the society, and get endorsement deals from Japanese businessmen. Maybe some of these guys are just not comfortable talking in English to the public. Maybe they know, like, they probably can. They're just not comfortable with doing it. And cool it with the whole, like, in today's day and age, you gotta watch it. You're not deemed as a racist. I'm not being racist. It has nothing to to do with that. I can't speak another language so I'm not critiquing Vladdy Guerrero Jr. I'm just saying as an agent wouldn't you tell your guy, hey 
hey, this might be a better. You might want to look into that. You know, when you get some time in the off season, so that we can, you know, we can help you. There's out a here. couple guys on the Jays actually that are like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has the same thing. He has a translator, and yeah. uh, there's like, a, there's like, a lot of players. Like Vladdy is a he's a magnet, man. The guy's infectious. He's a great mm-hmm. ball player. Looks like a really good dude. I just think he'd be uh, attracting more money. I'm just looking out for the kid. Hey, remember uh, Yumi uh, Yori Kawasaki yeah. on the Blue Jays? Yeah. Even he, uh, he was like the ultimate student when it came to talking the English language. He came over here to yeah. North America. He didn't know absolutely anything when yeah. it came to the English language. But uh, he said that he used to like read books every single night, and he would <laughs> he would go on the mic and he would give it his best shot. So that's why I think <laughs> some of these guys maybe are just a little <laughs> shy because uh, they don't want to kind of sound like Kawasaki sounded because it didn't sound the greatest. But you well, know, at least I, he's trying. I, I, yeah. So I think a lot of it has to do oh, with maybe, that. maybe, I maybe. Don't know. Just just a thought that I had. Hey, you got that hype horn? Because I don't have a. I don't have the. I couldn't find the horn in your tickle trunk. Oh, there. I got. Okay, here we go. Radio roll call. There's got to be one or two people listening on Canada today. Wherever you're listening from today, weigh in on the show. Let us know where you're listening from. Are you on a deck? Are you having a beer? Are you getting a suntan? Damn it, I've been inside all day getting this show together. I couldn't go to a Red Sox game. Outside briefly at rider practice. So you're enjoying the day. I am not. Yeah, keep it going. Fire it up. Maybe you went to the Red Sox game and got a nice suntan on today. Man, that was a hot game at Curry Field today. It was a good time. All right, we're going to get back to that in a second with our sports team with Zinger. We'll talk about that, get his update on the Regina Red Sox mayhem over there as they pound the Beavers again, 15-9. to 9. They love pounding those Beavers, man. <laughs> Crushing them. Anyway, this is the Sports Cage for uh, Nelson Holmes on 620. It's 4.49 inside the sports cage. Happy Canada Day to you. I'm Sean Kleisinger with your sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing Heating and Cooling. Their hiring starting salary for service technicians is $75,000 plus signing bonus. Give them a call at 781-2090. Well, we got week four in the Canadian Football League. Continuing tonight, the Edmonton Elks in Hamilton at the Donut Box, Tim Hortons Field taking on those Tiger Cats and uh, well the storyline of the game in a way is uh, Elks quarterback Trey Ford he gets to start for Edmonton Canadian quarterback there so uh, it's a nice Canada day of course the Toronto Blue Jays with a big win today 9-2 to over the Tampa Bay Rays at the Rogers Center and I mentioned Lourdes Gurriel Jr. well he hit a home run today he had a double he had a base on balls he had an RBI he scored three runs so a big day at the play for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Kevin Biggio was 2-2 two for two with a couple doubles and a couple uh, base on balls. So the Blue Jays went big on Canada Day today. And it was a big Canada Day baseball-wise here in Regina because your Regina Red Sox, they uh, they pounded on those Beavers. 15-9, to the final score at Curry Field this afternoon. It was a hot one. And the story of the game by far, Nate Bach, center fielder for your Regina Red Sox. Two home runs over... Probably the deepest part of the park, left field there. It's bigger than a lot of Major League ballparks out there. So Nate Bach bringing some serious power on Canada Day. That's outstanding. We're hoping to be joined. Maybe he, uh, Gary Bratzel, the president, can line me up, Nate Bach, because I said I wanted a, a baseball player from the Red Sox on to talk about the Canada Day uh 
display Classic. against the Beavers. Uh, where's Bach from, by the way? Uh, Boulder, Colorado. Nice. Try to get a hold of him. Home, and home of the Colorado Buffaloes. The Buffalo, home of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, obviously, yep. uh, the hockey team. Don't know if he's a fab. We can ask him that if we get him as our guest. By the way, a couple of NHL notes. Jim Montgomery used to be the Dallas Stars coach, is now head coach of the Boston Bruins. And about to become head coach of the Winnipeg Jets is former Dallas Stars coach uh, Rick Bonus. He's supposed to be the head coach of the Jets. So there you go. And Craig McTavish leaving the broadcast booth of Sportsnet to join Craig Berube as an assistant coach with the St. Louis Blues. And that's one of the stops Craig made in his playing career. He played with the Boston Bruins, the Edmonton Oilers, the New York Rangers, and the St. Louis Blues. So he's back there as an assistant coach. All right, coming up here this month as the calendar turns to July. Oh, wait, before we get to that, we got some texts on the Capital Ford Lincoln text line. Zinger's here. He's mm. my text man. We did the roll call. Where are you listening from? We'll make you famous. Go ahead, tell us. Yeah, Brandon and family chilling at my nephew's house, having an ice-cold corona and loving the show, crushing the beavers, LOL. Uh, Brandon says, good job, Red Sox. Allison and Kevin Hicks listening from Sherwood Park, Alberta today. Hey, guys, we are enjoying your show listening and uh, at our cabin at Round Lake enjoying food uh, from the 9th Ave Western Pizza. That's what I'm talking about. Nice, okay, nice, Western Pizza. Nice, nice. Uh, happy Canada Day. Go Riders. Great show as always. Andrew in Vancouver's listening as well. So uh, shout out to uh, Andrew out there on the West Coast. I don't, I don't, I don't mind bragging. Besides the Hamilton Tiger Cats audio network and six thirty, Chad, where the uh, Elks are broadcast on with Morley Scott and Dave Campbell. There's no other radio stations in this country working on Canada Day talking football. Mm. Not in this city, not in this province, not in Western, not in all of Canada, except for the two stations or the two networks that got a broadcast a CFL game today, and then us. That's it. That's it, man. That is un. That we are is your one stop shop. We are your. All the there's latest. no reason why you'd want to listen to anybody else for your Rough Rider and CFL information than right here on the Sports Cage because everybody else is lazy. I mean, we are let's not get lazy. real. We got a big game tomorrow here yeah, in Virginia. Yeah, why would Do you, you think take... we're going to sleep in? You and... can't, yeah, you can't take the day off. <laughs> no, man. You, there, you don't, this is football country. You don't right? rest in Rider Nation. Nope. So 936-6262, the number to text. Hey, by the way, it's Canada. I don't know. Do we have pick the score today, buddy? Uh, that's a good question. Let, check, me, check let, me, click the, let me click check, on my Dashboard. While you check into that, our buddy Pete Pasco from Locker Talk recently caught up with a couple of female football, well, one female football player and a coach here. There's a big event coming up in July for the under-18 division, and we are in July. It's July 1st today, Canada Day. Take it away, Pete. And our next guests are two members of the team that will represent Saskatchewan at the first ever under-18 women's football national championship coming up right here in Regina in July. So let's get right into it. The head coach of the team, no stranger to this program, is Claire Dory. Seated next to her, one of the uh, one of the players who will play numerous positions because it's a six-a-side type of tournament, and you get to do that. Uh, so we will call her O-line or possibly D-line, maybe some linebacker. Anyway, her name is Jay Guy, and we'll find out how many positions she's looking forward to playing. But uh, first off, Claire, congrats on being named the head coach. Exciting opportunity, clearly uh, uncharted territory with this tournament. Clearly, you're looking forward to it, I assume. Absolutely. Anytime you can put a stamp on being the first of anything, it's exciting. Um, you know, excited, as you, uh, you well know, to, to coach enthusiastic young women and, and 
keep growing the sport of women's tackle football in Saskatchewan and across the country. The team has been selected and we'll have our first official as a team camp this coming weekend. JF, I told you five years ago, uh, you're going to play in a national championship in tackle football on your home turf. Would you have thought I was insane? Because you yeah, wouldn't be the thought first. thought you were crazy. Okay. Like, it's just, I've been playing basketball my whole life. So mm. it's, good to, it's good to know that I'm part of something as incredible as this as a first, like a national football tournament. Blows my mind to like, know that I'm a part of this. I'm very proud to say that I'm playing in this. I have a random theory. I'll throw it out. You didn't happen to play high school basketball at Balfour, did you? I did not. Oh, no. okay. I don't so know much if for you that. wanted me, to be honest. But, <laughs> um, my best friend, Juliet, who I've played flag with and basketball with um, since I was like in grade five, she'd played on the first year of Victoria's and was, her mom was like, Jay, you should come out and try it. Like, it'll be good. You get to play with Juliet. And I've been playing flag. And I don't regret it a bit. It's my favorite sport. It's now my sport. I'm proud to be a women's football player. I've uh, been recruited for this, for Riot, for Victoria's, and it's just like a great collaborative sport. Like it makes me, it makes me very proud to be a football player. Claire, you have extensive experience in this game as a player and a coach, but in the 12-a-side game. Have you ever coached six-a-side? How different is that going to be? Uh, well, I mean, football is football when you come down to it, um, right? We, we'll adjust to the numbers, we'll adjust to the size of the field. The exciting thing about six-a-side football is how dynamic it becomes, right? You, with the number of eligible athletes, you know, on the offensive side and how many, you know, options you can have in terms of structure on the defensive side. Um, really, you just take your, your ideas and you, and you modify them to, to the game in front of you. So six aside, while I haven't coached it extensively, I'm familiar with the game, I'm familiar with nine aside, I've coached a fair amount, amount that way. And I'm so fortunate to have a coaching staff um, of people who have spent time on six aside. So really, uh, my expertise is just managing those great puzzle pieces in front of me and, and allowing them the freedom to, uh, to take those, those teams. It's different. Um, being O-line, I'm normally like the bigger one, the slower one, but now I'm also expected to be a receiver part of the time, which is very fun. It's different. Um, and again, like you said, more versatile, uh, more positions to play. And I love being on both sides of the ball, so it's a good experience. And it's different. I've played 9 and 12 men now, so I'm just kind of racking them all up, 6, 9, and 12, and it's a fun experience for sure. Well, um, you know, in the past no number of years, right, we've developed the Regina Victorias through RMF, but right, we've had to have people to compete against. So we're so fortunate to have formed the PGFL, right, which includes Estevan, Melville, Mooseman, and Yorkton. So players from each of those teams have come to try out and, and are being represented. And then, you know, as much as there is football, uh, you know, in terms of in the north with the Valkyries, they don't really have much in terms of a U18 or, or minor football program that women are playing in yet. However, we do have players that have come from Prince Albert, from Pine House, from Saskatoon that are individually playing on their youth um, minor football associations or high school teams. So we've had those players come and again, we're fortunate to have them as a part of the team. Football Canada, in its infinite wisdom, has named you guys the top seed going into the tournament. No pressure. Uh, how do you feel about that? Um, it's definitely like a pressure, but we're just here to have a good time and develop as a team and play. And obviously like we want to play to win, but regardless of the outcome, it's just exciting to be competing in this tournament and gaining experience as a team and meeting new friends and coaches. So. How about you, Claire, as a coach? Do you like being the hunter or the hunted? Um, you know, I, in, my, in my many years, I've had 
you know, both instances. And to me, especially in an inaugural event like this, the rankings couldn't mean less to me, um, right? Knowing it was established by random draw, um, knowing that all of these teams are in different stages of development. Um, I believe that in, these, in this format, the way we're playing in, a, in mini game formats, that any team here is eligible to win this and we want to be in that conversation, right? We're going to put our best foot forward. We're going to compete and try and own and, and deserve that number one ranking. Um, but is that something that I'm going to use um, as part of my coaching philosophy? Absolutely not. Um, we are there to compete. Um, and put our put our best game on the field, no matter the ranking of the team across from us. I got a uh, sneak peek at the schedule, and I was, well, I was taken aback by the fact you guys play two games on the first day. But you just sort of answered that question in terms of mini games. What exactly is a mini game? What's the duration? Um, you know, I'll be honest. I, I don't entirely know uh, the the specifics. It's not. It didn't come out specifically in the tech package yet. But um, I believe it'll be in essence one half worth of football. Um, so we'll play. I, I believe it'll be two 12-minute quarters as opposed to the traditional four, um, which would be 12-minute quarters in minor. Pete Pasco talking about the U18 National Championship coming to Regina. Thanks to him from Locker Talk for doing that. And he's helped us out here on the sports cage as well. Okay, before we go to break, Zinger, we got another text there, 936-6262. Yeah, text me up. Debbie at uh, Turtle Lake says, uh, if Cody Fajardo has a bad performance tomorrow, when do you think Coach Dickey will uh, uh, switch quarterbacks? He won't. There's the, there there's the answer. He won't. There you have it. Cody Fajardo's got a wonky knee. He's got an O-line that doesn't have their center. Uh, the tackles haven't played particularly well. Shaq Evans is out, and we want to throw Cody under the bus. I, yeah. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. I mean, I'm, hey, is he elite? I don't know. You can make a debate that he is or he isn't. I, don't, I wouldn't call him elite, but he's very good. He, he, fastest rider quarterback to 20 wins. He's a winner. He plays hard. I've, I've watched a lot of bad quarterbacking in this league. Over the years? Marvin Graves. Yeah, well, it's the Homer Jordan, Joe Adams, the list goes on and on and on and on. Steve Sarkeesian. Remember, remember, yeah, yeah, couldn't break a pane of glass with a football. He's a coach, but not a good player. Uh, how about Seth Dagey from Texas Tech? Warren or, Jones. Yeah, Warren Jones, yeah. The, the mid mid to late 90s, oh. with the exception, I guess. With, Bernard Quarles. Yeah, even Reggie Slack wasn't all that great. Prince even. McJunkins third. <laughs> you want me to list a bunch? I can list a bunch of these crappy quarterbacks. Cody's not one of them. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a break and talk about one of the big lineup changes for the Riders in their defensive secondary. That and much, much more. Keep your text coming. Where are you listening from? Zinger, give me that hype horn again. One more time. Come on, Zinger. Let's get it going. We're here on a Canada Day. This isn't a tape show. This is a live show. You can call in. We're having a party. John the Habs fan had called us and he hung up. He's tired of waiting. Patience pays off, John. I'm a prime example. Took me 25 years to get this damn job. Yeah, John. I finally got it, John. This is a sports cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the sports cage on this Canada Day. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Give us a text, 936-6262. We'll give you a shout-out here. Little radio roll call. You could always call us at that number, 936-6262. Toll free out of town, 1-866-767-0620. About to be joined by the Regina Red Sox left fielder, Max LaCroix. He had three hits today in a 59 walloping of the Weyburn Beavers. With the win, the Regina Red Sox are now at 500 at 14-14. and 14. 
in second place, just ahead of the Red Sox, are the Swift Kern 57s at 14 and 12. And in first place are the Moose Jaw Miller Express at 18 and 8. So there you go. One, two, and three. We'll have Mr. LaCroix. That's how you say it? LaCroix on the show here coming up right away. And a a big crowd of over 800 there got to hear Sean Kleisinger, our producers. You get to hear him every day here on the Sports Cage. But they got to hear him up close and personal as he was scarfing down hot dogs and popcorn and cheeseburgers and diet pop. Listen, how what are you, 6'2"? Yeah, 6'2", soaking wet, I think. 6'2", but what do you weigh? Uh, probably like 98 pounds. Like, no. you're a buck 55. <laughs> how do you keep the weight off when you're, or 170, when you're eating like that? Metabolism, I guess. Yeah, I, don't well, know. I used to have metabolism. Okay, so one of the big... I have a che- Tom Brady body. You just compared yourself to Tom Brady. <laughs> you have a Marsha Brady body, maybe. That's what that's what they used to say when I played uh, high yeah, school football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tom doesn't exactly have the greatest body. Doesn't matter. That's what I was going for. Yeah. I, have a, I have a milk body. Actually, he looks better in his 40s than he did in his 20s when he came out in the draft. Okay, so um, the uh, now you made me lose my train of thought. Okay, here we go. So the big change in the secondary for the Rough Riders. Damon Webb cut by the Riders. He was the backup to Jeremy Clark. Uh, so you think, okay, uh, Webb's going to play, but no. Uh, Amari Henderson's stock has risen through training camp and working out every day at practice. So they uh, allow Webb to go. He wouldn't stay on the practice roster, wanted to be in the active roster. Coach Dickinson's like, no, we got to make a move. So Amari Henderson will start at the field side halfback spot. Jeremy Clark will move out to the field side corner, replacing the injured Nelson Lacamo, who's out with a hamstring tweak. Malcolm Lee, the Canadian, will back up Clark, and Henderson is backed up by the Canadian Kosi Onyeka. It is a thinking man's game. you got to juggle your roster so you uh, work in the ratio there. Anyway, we had a chance to catch up with Henderson before the game here after practice. It means a lot, man. I've been working so hard to get to this point, and I'm just ready to go. I'm ready for the opportunity, and I'm ready just to seize the moment. It's, it's been a it's been a long journey, man. But um, you know, just keep my head down, just continue to work every single day, thank the man above every single day, and then just put my best foot forward. For Ryder fans that don't know about you, what do you bring to the table on the field? What can we expect from number 16 tomorrow? Man, I bring a lot, man. I bring great coverage. Uh, just making plays, man. Just a playmaker, man, and just always just trying to make plays. Just try to be there for my teammates, and that's really it, man. Just try to play the best of my ability every time I step on the field. Who's helped you in the secondary kind of acclimatize yourself to what's going to be going on back there? Really everybody. Everybody, you know, chipped in, helped me out coming in. You know, CFL is different. It's different rules, getting adjusted to the waggle and things like that. So everybody in the secondary, the coaches, everybody chipped in and kind of helped me out to get me ready for this moment. When you saw the wag over, you're like, what the heck is this? Yeah, um, at the end of the day for me, as long as you can cover anybody, it doesn't really matter. You know what I'm saying? That's my, my biggest thing. As long as I can cover anybody, waggle or not, that's that's my biggest objective, just making sure I can cover whoever's in front of me. What do you think about facing Eugene Lewis and Jake Renneke? Uh, everybody is just an ex to me. You know, it don't really matter who, who they put in front of me. I'm just going to try to perform the best of my ability no matter who's in front of me. That's just my whole mindset. Don't really matter who's in front of me. But if you look, Lewis is having a pretty good season. He's a leading receiver. Mm-hmm. Had a pretty good game. Do you, have you seen anything on him? Are you studying a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I study everybody, but I treat everybody the same. Like I said before, everybody's just exiting me. So I'm just trying to come out there and just perform to my best ability. It's really just me. It's not about nobody else. It's just me and everybody else who's wearing green and white. They probably don't know much about you either, too. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine with me. I know what I can do. People in this walls know what I can do, so we'll be ready to see what 
up to take on Saturday. Tomorrow. How do you uh, how do you handle nerves? How do you handle stress yourself? Uh, I kind of just control what I can control. Anything outside of my control, I just let God handle it. Um, but for me, I just you know, every single day, I just come in ready to work every single day and just let the chips fall where they fall. You're gonna have to control your emotions a little bit tomorrow, though. You're running out of the tunnel. You're yeah. actually wearing green and white mm -hmm. in front of the fans yeah. on a Canada Day weekend. Right? Yeah, like it's gonna be a big America day, man. Big yeah, absolutely. Too. It's gonna be a big day, big day, man. So I'm excited, man. It's you know, just take it all in and just perform. You know, that's that's really much, really it. You, you know, didn't, uh, you didn't play last week, but from watching the tape as a, mm -hmm. as a bystander, kind mm -hmm. of an outside perspective, what did you notice that Montreal was able to do against the defense? Uh, I mean. Like for us, it was really more of us, you know what I'm saying? So coming in into to this week, we knew that we kind of had to build ourselves up, you know, coming into this game. It's really, Coach been preaching it to us, it's a character game, you know, just bounce back game, just coming back into this game, just doing what we've been doing throughout the whole training camp, first couple games, preseason, and just get back to playing, you know, rough rider ball. So it's more just us, for real, for real. Has he been preaching uh, keeping pace in the West? Winnipeg, Calgary, um, NBC all off to a good start. Yeah, we don't really try to worry about any outsiders. We're trying to just worry about everybody in the building. So like I said before, we're really just trying to come in and try to be the best us that we can be, not really worried about nobody else. Because we know if we can play our game, we're pretty tough to handle. So. You, you treat every receiver the same. What did you notice about Trevor Harris? He's been in this league a while now. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he's pretty good, man. You know, like I said, I try to treat everybody the same. Of course, you know, some players are better than other players, but like for me, my mindset is just if I can just do what I do, I can line up against anybody. You know what I'm saying? So that's just my whole mindset, and my friend. Hey folks, your crazy Uncle Carl here. Waka, waka, waka. It's time now for cornhole terms that sound dirty, but aren't. <laughs> Double slick side bags. He's able to push his own in. Flop on top and sit on those bags. Pulls in Tyler's bag though bring that gray bag in see the bag official who's actually going to be taking the bags out try to limit that contact as much as possible goes hard right at the hole it's what we call clean doesn't touch any part of the hole straight through jackie is our lone female competitor in this field it looks like she tried to go with a really hard push and try to push all of them in she's got a beautiful spin well you're right it is it's just a pretty spin isn't it yeah very pretty this is not mentioned as an insult but his bag is just not pretty josh's bag just kind of as it hangs on the edge it just finds a way into the hole a lot he just finds a way to get the bag in the hole well that's not our problem we got great bags we got great bags with the sports cage our sports cage bags and our sports cage boards are unreal yes indeed we have a cornhole set Courtesy of the Saskatchewan Cornhole Association. Yes, there is a league. There is an association in Saskatchewan. They play every Thursday night over at the Hungarian Club in the summer. In the fall, it's Fridays. Hungarian Club, just a block off of Vic and Arcola, behind the fire station there. Oh, check it out. Our buddy Caesar and his gang there. Caesar, one of the top cornhole players in the province. Now, if you want to have a crack, and I know you do, like, can you imagine this time next summer... You're in your backyard drinking beer on Canada Day, probably listening to this music. Crank it up, singer. That's right. You're drinking beer in your backyard, and you have the music blaring. This song again. Crank it up, singer. That was some Mary Had a Little Lamb in there. Yeah, that. love it. That's right. 
You may or may not have your own teeth. That's not me judging. I don't care. Some chewing tobacco. Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Cooey! You're playing in the backyard, getting a suntan, getting your liquor on with your sports cage cornhole set that you won right here on the sports cage or down at the Hungarian Club. We're throwing the entries in a barrel from here, and when you go down to play at the Hungarian Club, because anybody can play, you could put on your uh, Charlie Sheen winning bowling shirt, go down there and play some cornhole. So every Thursday in the summer, Friday, Fridays in the fall. And so... Were you gulping because you were so excited there? It sounded like a gulp over. I, I'm just exhilarated. <laughs> you're, I can't believe we're giving. A, I can't believe we're giving this away. I know. So here's another. We're so nice. So here's another entry <laughs> form for the sports cage cornhole set. It's it, it's handcrafted boards, and our own slick fit in the palm of your greasy handbags. Get back in here, you guys. Yeah, come on, come on Cletus. God, these guys are lazy. They think they get uh, laid yeah. out because it's Canada Day. We pay you good Canadian tire money, God. and you just walk out of the studio. You play it, Cletus and Billy Ray. <laughs> you play it. Cooey! Anyway, 936-6262, the text number, Capital Ford Lincoln. We'll take an entry right now. Tell us why you should get this sports cage cornhole set. Why should we... Put your name in the entry barrel for this. It'll be drawn at the national championships, and there is a national championship. Yeah, there is. And it will be held in Regina at the Hungarian Club mid-August. 936-6262 is the text line brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. We will take a break. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage here on a Friday, a Canada Day Friday, day before the Rough Riders get ready to take on the Montreal Alouettes. We'll get into some of the news and notes from this game. Coming up here uh, before the show is done. Also here from Cody Fajardo. Uh, we're also going to take a trip down memory lane with one of the great Canadian receivers, Rocky DiPietro. It'll be great in that 6 o'clock hour. We'll get to some baseball in a second, but of course, we are your official uh, cornhole radio station here, the Sports Cage uh, Show on 620 CKRM. Singer, do we have an entry for our Sports Cage cornhole set? Yeah, today's entry is Mary in Regina texted in and said it's the ultimate uh, tailgate party. Yeah, it is. Corn, uh, it's, one, it's one of the big tailgate. Uh, you've probably seen it at all the stadiums you go to. Yeah, man. So, uh, Mary, you're in the pot, and uh, good luck to you. Hopefully you can come away with the big cornhole set. Blake in the uh, video department for the for the um, riders, you know him, yep. he uh, was going to go drink some beers and uh, play in his backyard, but washers, that's poor man's cornhole, where you have the actual washer set oh, thrown into the box. We used yeah. to do that with my Former father-in-law Rudy, he made a box and we threw the washers. But we do yeah. the real thing around. We, here, yeah, yeah, we're we're big time here. Okay, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. I want to give uh, Western Pizza a good plug here because I haven't done that yet, and they have an updated uh, liner here, as we like to say in the business. Order the Rough Rider Suite deal from Western Pizza, and you and a friend could be watching a Rider game from a luxury suite. Over 800 fans were at Curry Field today to watch the uh, Regina Red Sox win their second game in a row on home 
turf, home soil. They beat, uh, what was it, Swift Current the other night, 7-6 in 11. It didn't go to extra innings today, 15-9. They uh, scored out a big victory. Zinger, before we get to our guest, who hit the two homers today again? for the Nate, Nate Bach. From Boulder City, went deep. Boulder, Colorado, Nate Bach went deep twice at, like, over the deepest part of the ballpark, wow. almost. Left field at Curry Field's pretty uh, pretty out there. Yeah. It's bigger than a lot of Major League ballparks, so, actually. So we got his teammate Max LaCroix here uh, from Asheville, North Carolina, joining us. How are you today, Max? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, man. So you banged out three hits. What, like, what'd you get? Singles, doubles? Tell us about it. Uh, so I went uh, three for five today with three singles. Nice. So man. almost almost had a double there in the I think it was like the eighth inning, but center fielder made a nice play on it. But yeah. can never complain about a three hit day. Okay, before we get into the nuts and bolts of baseball, Max, um so you got a cool accent, not gonna lie to you. Like your accent. <laughs> uh you got you got you got a girlfriend, Max? I did not have a oh, girlfriend. Oh, no, so you must not. be are you are you uh are you wowing the ladies with that accent? That's an icebreaker right there. Well, I have heard from a lot of people up here that I do have like a southern country accent, but you know this that's like the first time I that I've I've ever heard that because you know there's where I'm from there's people with way d- deeper accents. So. Yeah, no man, you 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 know what if you guys have a I don't know what your schedule is like, but if you can do you like country music, Max, or are you uh I, I do. You do. I do like country so you got to yeah. get out to the to the what do we call that again now? Uh, country Thunder. Country Thunder. It's been called a bunch of things, but it's just north of town. It's Craven. Okay. We got this big country music festival this year. Blake Shelton's coming, Morgan Wallen. There's a bunch of great oh, artists. Right. Uh, Zinger, Sean Kleisiger's our public address announcer. He'll be live on location doing one of the radio shows. Yeah, you got to get out there, man. You are going to clean up. You're going to have all the <laughs> ladies buying you drinks, man. If you, you're legal. Can you drink yet? How old are you? Oh, oh. 22. Oh, you can drink then. That's good. Oh, Who, yeah. Who's your favorite country artist? Uh, right now, I'm going to have to say Morgan Wallen. So oh, yeah, like Morgan. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, there you go. He's going to be out there. I think it's a Friday night Morgan Wallen's out there, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so let's get the baseball, man. Left fielder. Talk about your teammate today that Zinger alluded to. Went deep over the uh, uh, farthest part in the ballpark. What would you think about that watching those sail over the wall? Oh well, you know it's always it's always fun to see, fun to be a part of a game like that where we just are just hitting everything. And you know, Nate was just seeing it great today. He has been seeing it great all year, and you know he connected with some barrels, and they flew a long way. So it was yeah. awesome to see. Had one of your uh, uh, colleagues on uh, earlier this week, Braden Houston, I believe, the pitcher out of Iowa oh, yeah. City, Iowa. And he was saying how uh, he feels like you guys are starting to find your identity as a team. Would you agree with that, Max? I, I 100% agree with that. You know, it's been it's been an up and down uh, season so far, but, you know, I think we're really starting to hit stride. Uh, you know, the, the bats are coming alive, the bullpen's coming alive, so... I think we're in a pretty good spot right now. Is that maybe because of youth too? Because you guys got a pretty young team, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, it always it's always a little bit weird, you know, coming to summer ball. You don't know you don't know any of the guys on the team, so you know it, it takes about a week or two to you know get comfortable with them and you know learn how everyone else plays. And it's just it's just all about finding who plays good where who hits good and what position in the order. So, mm-hmm. 
What's your position in the order? Where are you batting normally? Uh, so I've been I've been all over the place. I've hit I've I've hit I've hit one, two, uh, nine. Uh, but today I was seven, and I really like uh, hitting in like the lower part of the order. Why is that? Well, you, you know, most of the time, you know, the pitcher thinks you know they get to the bottom of the order, and you know they think it's okay. These are the guys that you know can't hit. And this and that, and so you normally get a lot of fastballs, and fastballs by far my favorite. I think it's everyone's favorite pitch to hit. So you get a lot of fastballs. Yeah. So you're? Are you like a? Are you? No, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I'm Buck Martinez that I'm this big baseball expert. Are you like a a spray hitter? Like would you, would I say uh, Max Lacroix is a guy that can get on base and then uh, run the bases, steal the bases, and 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 manufacture plays and runs that way? Yeah, that's if if I had to say anything about my game, I would definitely say it's that. I'm not I'm not gonna get up to bat and hit you know ten home runs in a summer. I'm gonna get on. I, I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna you know do my best and just scrap as much as I can just to, to get on base and help the uh, team out. Okay, so you're a left fielder. Have you always been an outfielder? Uh, well, in high school, I actually I actually played shortstop at my high school for. Uh, all three years, and uh, then when I got to college, they actually moved me from infield to outfield because I was I was pretty fast. So they they figured my speed would be more helpful in the outfield. So Max, but I love outfield way more. Max 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 Lacroix, tell my listeners here on the Sports Cage like your dimensions. How big are you? Uh, I am six foot two, about one hundred and seventy pounds. So wow, not not the bulkiest guy but gee you know. ladies i'm like a dating website here dude six <laughs> two he's 170 pounds he loves country music and he's got that nice twang to him you got to get on that there what number are what number are you number one number one in their hearts but what number in the program 29 on the field oh, oh joe carter there you go hey so let me ask you a question here How, what are you taking in school and where do you go to school uh, so I go to Lenore Ryan University in Hickory, North Carolina, the same as uh, Braden Houston. Braden Houston, and, yeah. Yep, yep. And um, I am majoring in sports management. Now, how did you end up uh, getting here uh, to Regina? So, good question. Our two, two of our coaches at school actually played in this league. One played for the Red Sox. And I think another one played for maybe Medicine Hat. And okay. So they had they had connections to the league, and uh, they just set us up with Bernie. So how does this how does this uh, small little city uh, you know uh, line up with what you're used to in Asheville, uh, North Carolina? Well, uh, I was I was honestly I was honestly ple- pleasantly surprised with how nice the city is. You know, uh, Asheville. I would honestly say Asheville and Regina are are pretty similar like pretty pretty decent sized downtowns nothing nothing too crazy but kind of towns where like everybody knows everybody yeah it's nice you been to a rider game yet can you get to a rider game or probably not uh, with the way your schedule is it's it's been a little bit tough uh, i've not been to one but you know i'm hoping uh I haven't even really checked the schedule ahead, but hopefully one of these Saturdays or Fridays for the Riders play, we have a. Did you even know? Did you even know what the CFL was before you uh, before you uh, got here? You know, 
I knew what it was, but I had no idea about like how it was played. So I actually got here and like one of the first nights I was here, uh, my host family had on CSL. So I, I just, I was sitting down and watching and it was just crazy. The differences between that and the hmm. NFL. So who do you live with? Who's your billet? You, 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 do you live with Braden Houston too? Uh, I do not live. I do not live with Braden Houston. I live with uh, Stephanie Peckrell. Okay, and how's that billet family going? It, it's awesome. You know, she has she has two little kids that are just the sweetest things. So I try and I try and jump them jump them on the trampoline as much as possible. <laughs> you got to watch. Is that is that trampoline enclosed though, Max? It is enclosed. Oh, yes, thank God! Enclosed. We don't yeah. want our we don't want our star left fielder falling over the edge <laughs> and banging his head there, Max. Uh, yeah, no. Was baseball always your love? Uh, yeah. So I, I've been I've been playing baseball pretty much my whole life. Uh, in high school, I played baseball and basketball, but uh, eventually I just decided that you know baseball I actually saw a future with, and and so I just rode with it and. Here we are. Where are you hoping this takes you? Like, what what are your realistic expectations playing? Uh, I guess they used to say America's favorite pastime. Uh, you know, just real realistic expectations. You know, are just keep just keep working. I mean, you never know. Like with a a pro deal, like may come. You, mm-hmm. you, you just you just never know. So, I mean, honestly, I'm just I'm just trying to have fun with it. Just not put too much pressure on myself and. Yeah. Uh, overthink the good times that I'm having. Do you have a favorite Major League Baseball player you like watching, one or two, or a favorite team? Uh, so I, I cheer for the Atlanta Braves, and my favorite player has got to be Ronald Acuna. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. I think he is one of the most underrated players in baseball. He is a, oh, yeah. He's a great player, man. I, I do like oh, him, yeah, too. And, of course, you got to like the Atlanta Braves uh, playing oh, yeah. some you know, championship team. And then, right. uh, yeah, lost Freddie Freeman, fired his agent because the agent didn't tell, know, the agent know, didn't tell him about the Atlanta Braves' last offer because he knows that it would have uh, it would have been taken by Freddie. That's that's crazy, I man! Know. Isn't that suck? I saw that, yeah, I, I I saw that the other day, and I was pretty uh, I was pretty fired up about that. Hang but. on, hang on a second, Max Zinger uh, just put his finger yeah, up there. Max, so uh, Atlanta's about uh, three hours and thirty minutes, roughly south of your hometown. Do you go out to many uh, Braves games as a kid growing up? Uh, so I grew up going to. I mean, me, me and my dad obviously love just going to going to baseball games, and you know. The Braves, the Braves were the closest team, and uh, so we would we would go every once in a while. You know, whenever I would have an off weekend from baseball, and uh, just try and you know cheer cheer them on, and uh, and then they got the new stadium now, mm. and, and I mean that thing is unbelievable. Yeah, have so you been to the I, new I've been one? There one or two times. So yeah, nice. How do you like? Hey, speaking of stadiums, we're trying to get a new ballpark here, but how do you like our quaint little? Uh, borderline dumpy Curry Field. It's a. It's kind of got its own uh, unique character, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually a big fan of it. It, it, it kind of gives like the the old like throwback. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, I don't know. That I just feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of history to it. So your, I like it. Does your family stream the games online to watch you play? Yes, they do. They they try and watch as many games as possible but you know the the time difference our games get done pretty late in North Carolina so 
I find uh, I could be wrong, but I'm not an expert in this league. But I find like you got really good pitching at the top in this league, and then the bullpens are kind of lacking a bit. So, so if you can get to the other team's bullpen, you can make a comeback, and the games kind of yeah. drag on towards the later innings. Yeah. Am I right when I say that? Oh, I, I think you're 100 percent right. You know, I mean that that that's just how you know everywhere is. You know, start starting pitching. Uh, you know, the the objective is always to just get to the bullpen, get to the bullpen, just get the starter out of there. Because you know, being a being a bullpen pitcher is tough. Like you know, you have to be up, you have to be ready to pitch every day, and you know, you're not going to have it every day. So, mm-hmm. just as a as a hitter, you just got to hope that the other team doesn't have their best stuff. This is 22 year old single, six foot two, 175 pound <laughs> left fielder Max Lacroix from Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, yeah, he had three hits today, three for five, and a 15-9 Regina Red Sox win. And it, lastly, must feel good to get back to 500 solidly in third place. All you got to do is make the playoffs, and then anything can happen. Exactly, anything can happen. You know, that's what that's what we we've, we've kind of been saying all all year so far so you know hopefully we can you know get a couple games above 500 in these next couple weeks well i've enjoyed my chat with you nice to meet you man uh, hopefully you can meet in person sometime yes sir sounds good all right that's max Lacroix. he is the left fielder for your regina red sox who smoked the weyburn beavers today 15 to 9 that's uh two games this week they beat the beavers 16 to 4 and 15 to 9 so what is that 31 13 in two games they, they also scored them. they also beat them 21 nothing earlier yeah this year. i remember that <laughs> didn't, didn't they a, go a out there, didn't then they go out and lose to them one nothing one game yeah it was like the night after or like yeah. shortly after a yeah. week after yeah. baseball's a funny game hey yep. just like my blake snell blake's Snell signs from the they, they trade for him from Tampa. He's a stud left-handed pitcher. He comes to San Diego and he can't get anybody out. He's playing the Dodgers tonight. He's 0-5 his record with like a 5.68 ERA. Pain. They probably backed up the truck. Oh, the they did. Too. He's making like 40, <laughs> 40 million. He makes more than Ethiopia for God's sake. Anyway, we're gonna take a break. Be back to talk more CFL football here. On your voice of Rough Riders football, your voice is CFL football. If you want CFL football and rider talk, why would you go anywhere else? Anybody else live today? Anybody else live today talking football and sports? That was a bad way to say sports. Sports. I'll tell you how many stations. Besides Edmonton and Hamilton, who have to broadcast the game here right now, as a matter of fact, it's only 620 CKRM. We'll take a break and be back with more in a moment. Ballsy and Zinger coming in, punching the clock on a holiday Friday. Here's Canada Day. Happy Canada Day to everybody. Wherever you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. Uh, you could text us at 936-6262, and we'll give you a shout-out. If you're on a deck, you're on a tractor, you're on a boat, you're having a beer, cooking a hot dog, I don't care. Just let us know. We're getting ready to watch the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Edmonton Elks, and they're just teeing it off. Castillo puts his foot into the ball, and they're underway at the donut shop. Hamilton and those uh, those gray unis that they got. Uh, oh, they're special, wearing those tonight. Those nice. special unis with gray uh, gray tops, gray, uh, gray bottoms, a black helmet with a, a gold H on it, and uh, 
Dane Evans will trot onto the field. He hasn't had a great year. 79 of 121, 884, four touchdowns, six INTs. Trey Ford, all the talk, quarterback out of Waterloo, the Heck Creighton Trophy winner. He's going to start at quarterback for Chris Jones' Elks. We'll keep you updated as we move along. Zinger, do we have a text over there? Yeah, we have Jason on the text line wondering why the Riders released Damon Webb today. He's quite surprised. He thought he was a really good player. Yeah, he was a good player, but Amari Henderson has apparently risen up the ranks, and they wanted to go with Henderson and Webb wouldn't go on the practice roster, so the coach wished him well and sent him on his way. That is pro football. Uh, Henderson, apparently a playmaker, six foot uh, one, 185 pounds out of Wake Forest, and he will play the field side halfback spot. Jeremy Clark moves over to the uh, field side corner. The Riders went with three starting Canadian receivers, including Mitch Pickton, who'll line up in that X spot. He'll be backed up by Tevin Jones. And so uh, that's how it looks offensively. Same offensive line set up. Good job by the Elks. They hold the Hamilton Tiger Cats to a two and out, and they'll have to uh, punt the football away. Yeah, we got Peter on the text line as well, wondering if uh, their Sast help pick the score today. No. Uh, pick the score today, but we're going to be uh, giving away tickets all week long next week, so um, uh, make sure to tune in. First of two in a row at home for the Riders. They've got the Alouettes tomorrow at 5, and then the Red Blacks in here. They're desperate for a win now as they're backed up to 0-3 after losing after a bye week to the uh, BC Lions. Now, people are like, oh, see, Ballsy? You see, Ballsy? You're dumb. <laughs> Thursdays aren't bad. Look at You made all those excuses for the Riders. Listen, all short weeks aren't equal. BC opened at home against a pathetic Elks team. Then they had a bye week. Then Toronto comes in. We expected Toronto to be better, and they had an off game. They got smoked by Nathan Rourke and the Lions. The Lions had one day of practice, but they had two home games. Mm-hmm. Two home games, two. Two, two blowout games. So they didn't have the physical game the Riders did in Edmonton, and then have a, a one day of practice and fly across country. So those are not the same. Those are apples and oranges. I do know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Honest. Any more texts? Yeah, that's all we got. It looks like we got Trey Ford on the field right now for Edmonton, taking mm-hmm. over on their own five-yard line. He's in the shotgun. I'm probably like three plays behind. I'm streaming it. Yeah, no, you're right. No, they're uh, they're in the shotgun right now, back at their five-yard line. We'll see. I'm expecting a lot of running from Trey Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilder is out for six games with a shoulder injury, so he doesn't have that big back in the backfield. And on first down, they do hand it off. And I'm not going to give you the, the poor man's play-by-play, but it is a short little two-yard gain, and that's pretty um, pretty easy to peg there. Okay, Montreal Alouettes can achieve a sweep of the Riders with a win this week, and Al sweep would be a rare event for them as they have done that just once in their last 16 sets back-to-back, going back to 2007 when they beat Toronto then. The only sweep in the last 15 years came over Ottawa last season, so there you go. Um... Also, the Riders looking to avoid a sweep and what will uh, complete the fifth ever back-to-back set with Montreal. The team split in 2006 and 1999. The Al swept Saskatchewan in 1996 and 86. Rough Riders were swept twice last season by Winnipeg and Calgary. By the way, Trey Ford's pass to... Catch the ball, Darrell Walker. Walker, incomplete. It wasn't the quarterback's fault. Third down and seven. Edmonton will punt from their eight-yard line as... Yeah, that's not a really good to start for either team. Saskatchewan hoping to rebound a post a 3-1 start for the second time since 2014. A scan of the Riders games back to 2015 shows their record in the first 
and second halves of the schedule. First half, 24 and 33. Second half, 33 and 20. A substantial gain in the final nine games of the season. Of course, seven games in uh, 2021. And at the donut shop, former UCLA Bruin Mangle will take a knee in the back as there is a flag down too, but it's going to be uh, a two-point safety given up by the Edmonton Elks, so they'll kick it away to uh, Hamilton as they take a break there early in the first quarter in Hamilton. Riders have scored 69 points in 2022 for a 23-point average. However, they have scored more points in the fourth at 39 than in the first three quarters combined where they've got 30. They are plus 19 in the fourth corner. Red zone, Montreal has been typical of the CFL's red zone success of late. In 2022, league-wide, touchdowns is down to 47% from 58% in 2019 and 50% last year. The Owls have scored just once in the red zone in their last eight opportunities. Saskatchewan is 3-for-7 in 2022, so neither team great in the red zone. Of course, Montreal had the long punt return touchdown or uh, sorry, kickoff return touchdown to start the game from Chandler Worthy last game, and they had that bomb of 70 yards to Kayan Julian Grand Pass Nelson Lacombo, who's not playing tomorrow because of a hamstring injury. But both those teams got to um, clean up in terms of their um, red zone efficiency. Now let's go back to last week's game in case uh, you need a refresher. Uh, the Owls played their finest game today, uh, to date, uh, delivering a 24-point victory uh, over Saskatchewan on four scoring drives in their first five possessions to create a 23-3 halftime lead. Montreal just one touchdown drive, however, and cashed in on five field goals. Cote provided their points. Saskatchewan was forced to uh, kick or turn the football over on 11 drives, led by Cody Fajardo, and scored their only touchdown late behind Mason Fine as he found the Duke in the back of the end zone, Duke Williams, who has promised a big game in this game. He had four grabs for a buck one last week. Now, if we want to compare both quarterbacks last week, Trevor Harris pushed his record as a starter to 41-39-2 overall, 6-3 versus Saskatchewan with the win. He went 16-22 of 22 for 262 yards and a rating of 127.5. Meantime, Cody Fajardo was just 17-28, of 28, two interceptions, a 51.3 rating, his worst of the season to date. And the Ryder quarterbacks were sacked eight times. Back to Hamilton where they kick off after the safety was given up. And it's returned up to pretty good field position for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, this is where games are won and lost. Second down. This week's game is the Riders who are number one in lowest opponent conversion at 32% up against the number nine ranked Alouette's offense who have been converting at just 37% so far on second down. So that'll be something to watch in that game tomorrow. And so will this. Now we talked about the Riders giving up eight sacks to the Alouettes. The Riders did not allow a sack in week one, but over the last two games have given up 11. Cody Fajardo's been sacked 10 times, fine once. That is their most sacks allowed in a two-game span since October of 2016, uh, from October 22nd through the 29th when they gave up 12 to BC and Montreal. Of course, the uh, franchise would take over in his first year by Chris Jones then as he tried to rebuild that team, shuffling out players and quarterbacks, much like he's doing here with the Elks who were trailing 2-0 to the Tabbies who line up first down and 10 at their fifth, or sorry, second and six from their 51 and they'll be close to a first down. All right, we're going to take a break. 
And when we come back, we'll have more of the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, advocating for Saskatchewan's older people for 30 years. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca. It's 550 with your Sports Cage sports ticker, and it's brought to you by Bronco Plumbing Heating and Cooling. Their hiring starting salary for service technicians is 75000 plus signing bonus. Give them a call, 781 781- 2090 and uh we're underway in hamilton the tiger cats have a two to nothing lead over the edmonton elks right now hamilton is driving with the football about eight minutes remaining in the first quarter they are in uh, edmonton territory as we speak earlier today the toronto blue jays with a nice nine to two win over the tampa bay rays a nice canada day game win uh, over the Rays at the Rogers Center. And it uh, looks like the Hamilton Tiger Cats has got a touchdown. Dane Evans over the middle. Uh, didn't make out which uh, number caught that, but it's a touchdown uh, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So it's an early 8 to nothing lead for the Tabbies over the Elks. 7.46 remaining in the first quarter in Hamilton. Hey, for Canada Day, here's Canadian translations. An American would say, My favorite band is Guns N' Roses. And now the Canadian translation. Hey, my favorite band is ZZ Top. Happy Canada Day, eh? Yeah, eh? Uh, anyway, uh, that was uh, Stephen Dunbar Jr. who comes up with the touchdown catch, the fifth touchdown pass of the year for Dane Evans, and I believe that's the second to Dunbar Jr. He scored one here in the opener of the season against the Riders down the left sideline past Jack Evans. Made the score 15-13 at that time, but the Riders would go on to win 30-13. to The extra point is up, and it is good, and so it's 9-0 Hamilton over Edmonton, predictably midway through the opening quarter. All right, so it is Canada Day weekend. We have the Canada Day game right now. Hamilton leading, as I just alluded to. But a lot of Canadians uh, coming to the forefront in the league, including our own Mitch Pickton from Regina, who has done such a great job being a pro's pro, learning all the positions in the playbook for receivers, and that's why he's on the roster. We caught up with him, and we asked him about being a Canadian, playing on Canada Day weekend. Oh, it's good. Uh, I mean, Canada Day is always an exciting weekend, and uh, to be playing at home and uh, in front of our fans, it'll be a packed house tomorrow, so uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Coach was very complimentary of you, saying that uh, you've done more for uh, them than they've done for you. Just your thoughts on uh, the progression of Mitch Picton with his team. Yeah, I mean, uh, things haven't really changed. I uh, just try to understand the offense as best as I can. Um, when I'm put out there, I try to do my job and uh, make the plays when they come my way. Yeah, that's what he said. You know all five positions. That's your, uh, that's your attribute. Just talk about being a student of the game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I really try to dive into the playbook and uh, understand it and uh, kind of the reason why we're doing things. But, um, yeah, I think it just puts me in a position that when we do have guys go down that I can kind of move around and um, help fill holes when we need that to be done. You must be getting used to having to go into a position you didn't really practice with during the week. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been able to get too comfortable. They keep me on my toes, but uh, it's all good. I'll uh, keep doing what I'm doing and uh, just keep trying to make plays when they come my way. What's it mean to just get these opportunities wherever they, they might come for you at any position really on the offense? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a unique situation, but uh, I'm happy to do it. It's a job that, uh, that I've kind of um, sunk into and uh, I enjoy it. So, Obviously, our rider fans travel well, but how special is it? Uh, you know, you're getting your second start of the year. This one's at home. You know, you've got friends and family behind you. Yeah, it's always cool when we get to play at home. I mean, our fans are incredible, and uh, personally, I uh, have a pretty good team of uh, support. So it'll be, it'll be fun having them all in the building tomorrow night. So Mitch Pickton, a local Canadian receiver, LaBoldis Golden Sun, RMF player, of course, uh, with the Regina Rams and now a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. This guy 
played for Western, a top pick in the CFL draft. Now with the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats, that's where he ended his career, but he's with their audio radio network or their audio network, and he's broadcasting the game right now as Hamilton leads Edmonton 9-0 midway through the opening quarter. But Andy Fantuz, the Ryder Plaza of Honor inductee last summer, uh, joined us in the sports cage earlier this week, and we were talking about his favorite Canada Day memory. What's it like being a Canadian playing on Canada Day? Because Edmonton is in Hamilton on our country's birthday. Uh, there's something about it. It's it, You get... Oftentimes you'll have the RCMP, the bagpipes. You'll have like a little uh, something extra for for a pregame show. Um, of course, there's hype around it through through the media all all week long, and it always seems to be a beautiful day. I mean, I'll never forget one of my favorite CFL memories was 2010 mm-hmm. season opener in Regina on Canada Day against Montreal Alouettes, and the score was like 54 to 51 double overtime i think maybe the highest scoring game uh and we're, we're listening to the anthem and there's uh there's fireworks going off there's a jet flying by and then there's what i mean the fireworks are after the anthem but the during the anthem there was a, a flock of like fly uh canadian geese flying of geese <laughs> diagonally across the field and i just had the chills like beyond belief and it was just a beautiful day and, and, and just an, uh, an incredible game from both performances from both sides. Perhaps the best catch of all time by S.J. Green in that game. And uh, But we came out with the win. and um, Yeah, I'll never forget that. That's one of my favorite memories oh, of my experience. I almost broke my TV because the year before we know it was the you know the November before it was the 13th man. And you guys got flagged for a 13th man penalty in that game. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, see, I don't remember everything right <laughs> off the bat, but I do remember now. That was, you're right, we did. And it's like, oh, my goodness, not again. That, Here we go. That was, uh, that was a great game, absolutely, one for the ages. And- great here for Canada Day weekend. Thanks, Andy Fantuz, to watch Canadian quarterbacks playing Nathan Rourke yesterday. Uh, Sean Kleisinger, I welcome our producer in. Um, Sean, uh, Nathan Rourke uh, started okay, had a bit of a wonky third quarter. He had a fumble and two... Uh, interceptions in the game, but battled back through for over 300 yards again. I think 359 in his team. Two touchdown passes, and he ran for a 50-yard touchdown, and his team goes on to win 34-31, and a surprise at 3-0. Man, his throwing motion, the prettiest in the Canadian Football League. Like It's like so quick, and some of the throws he was making like wouldn't make the highlight reel, but I'm, I'm thinking of one, uh, it was like a 40-yard th- 40-yard throw altogether, but really it was only probably like a 20-yard or 15-yard gain. It was far sideline. Yeah, throwing uh, across his body. Yeah, it was just amazing. And then the fake quarterback sneaky takes it around the end and houses it for 50 yards, and it was just amazing. That was, that was a really good game last night, man. That was, uh, like you said, uh, Rourke had a couple picks there. He had a couple uh, lazy uh, oopsie throws in the second half, but uh, it was a it was a good game. Ottawa at that late touchdown to close the gap a bit. It was uh, it was good vibes. Can we uh, just can we just enjoy the guy here? Like they're on TSN yesterday. They're talking about well, enjoy him while you can. Like 
He's 6'1", he's 210 pounds, and he might get an NFL look. Sure, because there's two things that people are starved with in football. Finding good offensive linemen anywhere mm. and finding good quarterbacking. Even the NFL starved for it. So, absolutely, as Trey Ford shows his speed taking off like Neilan Green getting a first <laughs> down to midfield. I hope I hope he can throw the football. I still have yet to really see him do it. Anyway, um, so... There's that. Like, can we not enjoy the fact that he's he's doing well? Uh, this game here, hopefully Trey Ford can do something because Trey Ford is a Canadian-trained quarterback going to Waterloo, mm-hmm. right? Whereas everybody will say, wow, Rourke played his last year of high school in the States at, uh, I think, IMG Academy, and then he went to uh, uh, Ohio, not University of Ohio, but uh, uh, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so he, he went there, so he's American-trained. But tell you what, man, wow. uh, I hope for there's a pass. Ford completes it. Kenny Lawler. Uh, Kenny Lawler, look at that. He's making plays tackle. for his quarterback. Tell you what, making big-time bucks. I like Kenny Lawler. He actually impresses me more here than he did in Winnipeg. That's a nice play. He has arguably the catch of the year, that touchdown against the Riders back yeah. to the end zone. Like, yeah. oh, that was it. real good. Okay, so anyway, uh, there's that game. What do you? How do you see tomorrow's game shaking out? Uh, I, I, I still think the Riders are in tough tomorrow, but uh, I picked them to win uh, yesterday, so I'm going to stand by it. Yeah, it won't be it won't be a blow, and I think a touchdown. I think they could win by a touchdown or a little bit less. I would just like to see a win. <laughs> I would just like to see a win, and yeah. I would like to see uh, not as many penalties because clean the penal- game. Yeah, the penalties just. Absolutely insane, man. And, and protect your quarterback. Natai Rogers, if he goes the whole game without getting a penalty, like that's a big green check mark emoji right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it as well. Pretty much the same, uh, for the most part, starting lineup on the defensive side of the ball. Nelson Lacombo, of course, not playing, and Jeremy Clark's heading over to his position. Yeah, Henderson comes into that so, field side halfback spot. For it's Mont- be a good game. For Montreal, they got Wineke coming back, the receiver. Uh, Noel Mando Sewell, he's out, but they do have to have David Brown move to center now that Jamison is out six weeks with an MCL injury. But Brown from Western, very capable, and he played there last year when Jamison, the Winnipegger, had back problems. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back here, it is the Sports Cage on Canada Day, and we will hear from Cody Fajardo. Nice little conversation with Cody today down at the field. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Big time Ryder fan, but I'm a big time Canada fan, and on Canada Day, Trey Young, former Waterloo Warrior, I believe, is that's their team name. He, uh, Heck Crichton Trophy winner, has got his team moving down the field. This kid can run. Gets outside. Well, first off, across his body, little shot put pass to Kenny Lawler. Then he runs it down to the three-yard line, and now he throws to the end zone incomplete. Wide of the target, trying to hit Kenny Lawler. There is a flag down, though, as Hamilton leads Edmonton 9 to nothing. Darby Jr. on the coverage of Kenny Lawler. So we'll see what the penalty is. I think it's against Hamilton, so it'll be a first and goal for Trey Ford and the Edmonton Elks. We've got a good quarterback, too. His name's Cody Fajardo. We caught up with Cody today. Hello, happy Canada Day. Cody, how different has this week felt with the full week compared to last week? Uh, tremendously different. Uh, no excuses. We've had a full week to prepare and uh, execute a game plan, get the reps on it. So um, it's going to be goods on goods on Saturday, and we know uh, that they're a good football team. So we got uh, no, no excuses to fall back on. We just got to go out there and play our game. They're a very talented football, game, football team. And uh, what I told you guys last week leading up to the game, I didn't think their record indicated how good that football team really is. So we're going to have to show up. We're going to have to execute, uh, convert some second downs, and uh, find a way to push the ball down the field when we got time. And 
and uh, execute scoring touchdowns or, or finding a way to get points um, when we're in the red zone. Logan Furless said communication has been much better this week. Uh, have you seen the same thing? Absolutely. I mean, uh, as to be expected, when you have one practice with a brand new center and you don't get the looks that you, you deserve or that you need, um, there's going to be some communication breakdowns. And uh, it was night and day difference throughout the, the week in practice. And playing the same team and having that familiarity is, uh, is big as well for Bandy. Um, so I'm just excited for that group up front. I know that they're going to do a tremendous job and just giving them that full week to be that cohesive unit where you can work together for the first time. Like I, I think I told you guys, I, didn't, I haven't started a game as a Rough Rider without Dan Clark being my center. So um, a little bit different for me and a, a little bit different for everybody, right? When you have the quarterback of the offensive line um, is new. So uh, I think the guys had a great week of prep and uh, they were grinding. They were in the building really early. And so I'm excited to see what they put on tape on Saturday. We've talked previously about the, the, the slow starts and you kind of put yourselves around the eight ball where you've got to really perform late in the game. Is there, is it a mental issue that is making this happen? No, I think running back the opening kickoff doesn't help, right? Because then you, the self-doubt starts to creep in. You're already down seven points. Uh, if you think about that game, we had a, a screen early, um, first play of the game, and we miscommunication, missed assignment, almost a pick six. Second play, throw it to Shaq. He's probably about a half an inch out of bounds. We go two and out. Um, then they, I think they get another three points. We're 10 nothing and only had two plays. And so as an offense, it's hard. You got to overcome that. Uh, you got to be able to not look at the scoreboard, which is very hard to do in the professional football when the whole goal is to win the football game um, and just go out and execute. I thought the guys fought really hard throughout the entire game. And even when it got a little bit out of hand, I thought we fought, fought and fought. It just wasn't our night things weren't going our way and sometimes that happens but I know the guys are excited the biggest thing I want to be better at is just just having more fun I, I think when you go down early like that it's hard to have fun because and then you start to press a little bit there's a few times I tried to press uh, and try to throw some things that I necessarily wouldn't try to do um, just because you want to make a big player you want to make a big splash and so I definitely learned from this game and I'm still learning as a starting quarterback but uh, to go out there have fun and, and bring some excitement no matter what the score is I think it kind of feeds to everybody on the offense defense and special teams Winning's fun. You, you win a lot here why do you win a lot here uh, I think it's just the mentality at, at the end of the day. It's a, a selflessness that I think all the guys in that locker room believe that uh, it's not about individual stats. It's about winning football games. And at the end of the day, it's about trying to get to the Grey Cup. And the only way you can get to the Grey Cup is by winning football games, not by being the MOP. Usually it goes hand in hand, but um, there, you can win the MOP and not be in the Grey Cup. So uh, for me, it's not individually statistic driven. It is definitely a performance on a win-loss basis driven for me. And, and I try and... Uh, let that go out to the guys and just understand, you know, there's times where you want to make as many plays as you can and help the team win. But uh, there's also times when you got to be selfless and you just got to be a decoy and, and go out there and try and find a way to help the team. But playing here, I mean, you oh. see, you see, no, that's a good answer too, but playing here, you seem to have a different air of confidence about you, so does this team. Yeah, I think our fans are great, right? Our, our fans bring the electricity. When you're on the road and, uh, and they run back the opening kickoff, it's you versus the world. And so it's hard to get yourself out of that rut or that uh, negative mindset. But when you have your fans here and, uh, and something like that happens, they're, they're behind us the whole way and, and they can kind of help guys get that positive energy back. So I think coming out in the stadium, seeing our fans, knowing that I've, I've won and we've won a lot of football games in this building, I think that uh, plays to 
a psychology thing as well. And also opposing teams know that we're good here. So I think that plays into a psychology thing as well, coming in and knowing already it's going to be a tough battle. Their fans are going to be loud. They play well at home. Like right there, you're already thinking of the negatives, and, and that's what we want. What do you think with Oman Desiwell being off the roster this week? Does that change your mindset or a little more relaxed? <laughs> a little smile, of course. Uh, he's one of the best, uh, one of the best around. Uh, obviously, he creates havoc, and he does a lot of stuff that don't show up on the stat sheet as well. The things where he takes double teams on. Um, he's really good in short yardage. Last week, we had a couple short yardages where he got off the ball really quick and made it difficult. We end up getting them, but it's it's never an easy thing with him. So uh, with him off the roster, I think it was more, it wasn't an injury thing, which is always good to hear that guys aren't injured. But um, yeah, you know, you'll, you'll smile a little bit uh, bigger, but honestly, they have a great front seven and they showed it uh, last week with, uh, I think they had eight sacks and it wasn't like uh, Sewell got all eight of those sacks, right? They got other great players. So we're going to have our work cut out for us, but uh, definitely beneficial when one of their top defense alignments not playing. There's a nightmare game like that, and the cliche is forget about it, put it behind you. To me, that sounds easier said than done. Absolutely, especially when you play a back-to-back -back and you got to watch the film every single day. Uh, I wish I could just be like, I'm not watching the film. We'll see him in seven, eight weeks. But uh, no, it's you. You got to stare that fa that film in the face, and you got to learn from it. Um, it. It's definitely easier said than done. But uh, the good news is we have the opportunity to play them right away. And and I talked about you know there's only two professional sports in my opinion that have that opportunity, and it's baseball and, and the CFL, where you lose to the team, you get the same team right. Uh, again. So um, usually you got to wait a, a number of weeks before you get that same opponent. So we're excited about the opportunity. Uh, it was a hard week mentally for a lot of guys just to watch it and watch plays and watch my interception, you know, me throwing an interception multiple times, multiple times. It, it humbles you and, uh, and it makes you feel a lot more appreciative of the good plays that happen in a game. Yeah, you know, just because it was a walkthrough, but I'll have it on tomorrow, and I, I, I hope this is my last week that I got to wear the brace. I feel much better than I did last, last week, and that was one of the things um, that was really frustrating on film. I felt like I wasn't myself in terms of my explosiveness. There was a few times where I got out of the pocket and I just didn't get the edge or didn't make a guy miss a tackle, something that I've been so used to doing. Um, and having that explosion, I felt like my speed was kind of there, but the explosiveness um, isn't there when your knee's a little wonky. So um, I feel much better than I did last week. I'm quite not 100%, but uh, hopefully, hopefully after this week I'll be back to 100 you're throwing the velocity because your power comes from your legs. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you, you push off your right leg, but a lot of it is your left leg holds your momentum going forward. So if you don't have that um, confidence that your left leg is going to carry you through your throw, sometimes you spray a little footballs. And uh, I felt like there was a few throws that I missed, but it wasn't a knee-based thing. It was just more me of my footwork was off. And a lot of that goes to just psychologically having confidence in your legs over and over and over again. And uh, I felt... I had a much better week this week of being more accurate and back to myself uh, with my knee on progressing uh, towards being back to 100%. You heard that in Edmonton, eh, on that play when you were rolling out because you're at the bench hobbling on? That's when they did yeah, that. it was, uh, I got rolled up on. It was uh, Dan and Mac rolled up on my knee and just kind of, uh, yeah, just got me right. It was a third down play. 
and I missed the throw, but uh, yeah, just kind of tweaked it, put a brace on it, like a, a tight brace on it, and then they got me this nice fancy brace to wear um, to protect it. But uh, yeah, it was Edmonton, I think it was like first or second quarter, but um, I've had this injury before on both knees. Um, this is my second time doing it to my left knee, so uh, I know what it feels like. I know what the pain, pain tolerance is, and I know I can play through it. I just want to be at my best for my team and, and not put us in a bad situation, and that's why I really, really wear the knee brace. Do you want to tell us what the injury is, or would you rather just keep it? I'll tell you guys when I'm 100%. How about that? Yeah, I mean, it seems like every week he's at a different position, and he's a guy who I bet he would want to be at the same position over and over because you get some familiarity, you feel good about it, you get some confidence when you're only at one position, you only have to learn one position, but that's what makes him a national treasure for us is you can put him at any position and he can go out and he can perform. And that's why I think he'll be on a CFL roster for as long as he wants to play football because he's smart, he gets the game, and he understands that it's not just one position that he has to learn. That if he knows all positions, if you look at last year and this year, he's played every single position for us as a receiver uh, and, and went in there and performed well. And so um, it's exciting for him. I know it's hard on him because there's a lot of personnel changes where he's got to come in and he's got to change. And sometimes he's playing the X, which is the number one to the boundary sometimes he's playing the number two to the boundary three to the field it's just you know he it's just a learning process for him but um, as a quarterback it's you, you got a lot of confidence knowing that Picton's going to be in his right spot at the right depth running the right route every single time that's Cody Fajardo in conversation with us reporters today as the Riders get ready for the Montreal Alouettes the Hamilton Tiger Cats have just returned to Sergio Castillo kickoff Back for a touchdown after Edmonton had closed the gap to 9-6. to It's now 16-6 to for the, um, yeah, for the uh, Hamilton. Hamilton Tiger Cats yeah. over the Edmonton Elks in week number four action. Of course, the week kicked off yesterday with a 34-31 thrilling victory by the BC Lions over Ottawa. This is the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes on 620 CKRM. The Sports Cage Podcast is brought to you by Saskatchewan Seniors Mechanism, working to make affordable home supports for seniors a reality. SKSeniorsMechanism.ca